Hi everyone and welcome back to NTI's Japan Real Estate Property Investment Podcast. I'm your host, Ziv Nakajima again. We hope you've all been enjoying a fantastic holiday season. This is the last episode for this year, so we'd also like to take this opportunity and wish you a happy, profitable and successful 2018, which is just around the corner. In the spirit of conclusion, our episode today is going to be all about conclusion as well and more specifically about finalizing your first Japanese property investment deal. If you'll recall, in the last few episodes, we were reviewing step-by-step the processes of establishing relationships with local realtors, finding a suitable property, conducting research, negotiations, and due diligence. So now, once we've satisfied ourselves that we do want to go ahead and seal the deal, let's see what's actually involved in that process as well. So again, just to recap, the due diligence information that you and your chosen representative here in Japan have been receiving so far may have been in the form of emailed communications, scanned copies of documents, or even telephone calls. So before you're actually going to sign anything and pay your deposit, the first step is to confirm and review all of this information in hard copy format on the actual official purchase documents. The real estate agency that you've been working with will invite you or your rep to a contract signing meeting. In this meeting, the agency's official document reviewer, which is called Taken in Japanese, will go over all of the property documentation with you, and there are going to be quite a few of those documents to review. Now, Japanese realtors are, like most Japanese, quite honest and professional, so it's very unlikely that you're going to be intentionally scammed or screwed over. There are exceptions to this norm, of course, and also mistakes can happen anywhere in the world, Japan included. So you want to make sure to carefully review the following documents and all of their content. So the documents are firstly the purchase contract itself. That should have the price you agreed upon, the details of ownership, make sure that your name or the names and percentages of ownership of different people in case of a partnership are correct. Also make sure that the date of settlement is the one that you've agreed upon. Next document is what's called the Document of Important Matters, which is the property spec sheet package. Here you'll want to confirm the size of the property in meters, the age of the structure, the status of the accumulated funds or the sink fund reserve pool. And also in case you're buying a condo unit or a building with a few units in it, make sure that the number of units is correct. Even if you're only buying the one unit, the number of units in the building will affect the price of any potential renovations or repairs to the structure down the track. So you want to make sure that you've calculated the amount in the reserve funds pool, which is essentially your safety buffer, in advance and that it is sufficient. We've covered this in the past. And that can vary depending on the size of the building. So the number of units is crucially important. Last but not least, just make sure that the address is the same address you've been discussing as well. Japanese city plan addresses, uh, which are the ones on title deeds and property registration documents, are slightly different to street addresses, which is what you would have seen on the listing and any mapping website you were reviewing. So make sure that this is really the correct location, the walking distance to the nearest station, everything that you've been looking at all along is exactly the same on the uh, purchase documents as well. You also want to make sure to view the building's, um, the builder's construction certificate, just to make sure that it does exist and the structure is documented. This is doubly important if you're buying a house. You obviously don't want to buy anything that was illegally constructed. 
If the unit is tenanted, you want to review the tenancy lease to make sure that the tenant's information, the length of residency, the securities, all are as has been discussed in the past. And that's about it for the crucial documentation. There are other documents that aren't that important. Sometimes they won't even exist, but it is worth knowing about. So stuff like your town planning maps, um, gas and utility line maps, building floor plans, the last property tax statement, which will also have the last official government evaluation of the property, the ownership registration history, and in case, again, in case of a condo, the building management companies uh, and the owners co-op regulations booklet. Also something which is called the local heritage site check, which confirms that the building hasn't been constructed on top of any historical sites, um, graveyards, etc. Again, not all of these documents will always be available, but most of them should be. So just have a quick browse in case they exist uh, to make sure that there's nothing unusual in there. Um, at the end of this meeting, you'll sign off on the documentation package, on the purchase contract, and in most cases, unless something else was agreed on, you'll also pay your 10% deposit, which is non-refundable in the vast majority of cases. Now, there are two optional clauses that you may want to try and insert into the purchase contract if you can. You won't all be, always be successful with that, but it's definitely worth trying because it can save you a whole lot of money in some cases. The first clause is called a seller's responsibility clause, which specifies that the seller bears responsibility for any unseen or unknown faults. This is especially important in case there's anything wrong with electrical wiring, pipes, other plumbing issues, etc. And if you can get the seller to assume responsibility for anything that might come up uh, in the six or 12 months after purchase, you do want to try and do that. Not all of them will agree, especially for the older properties, but it's always worth a try. The second clause, which is similar to that one, is the seller's commitment to renovate and repair the interior of the tenanted property in case it is tenanted. If the tenant notifies that they will be vacating the property anytime between the signing of the purchase contract and the settlement date. This means that in case the tenant suddenly decides to leave before settlement, the seller will be responsible for bringing the property back to livable and rentable condition. This will save you from having to suddenly decide if you want to fork out an extra few thousands of dollars or more on renovation and repair and end up with a vacant property instead of the tenanted property that you thought you were buying. Um, your only other option in that case would be to back out of the deal and lose your deposit, which could also be a few thousands of dollars or more. If the seller refuses this clause for any reason, what you can try to do is ask the realtor if you can make the deal happen uh, without paying a deposit, meaning the contract signing, the review of the documents and the settlement will all happen on the same day. Now, these two clauses are huge money savers. So they should be discussed in advance before the purchase contract is prepared. On the day of signing, you'll also need to provide um, any identification documents agreed upon. For foreigners who attend in person, this is usually just a passport or a residency card. If you're um, Japanese residents, if you're foreigners who are not going to be attending the meeting in person, meaning you've got a rep, 
There might be other notarized documents. The judicial scrivener, uh, property lawyer handling the sale will tell you what to prepare in advance. Make sure you bring it with you or make sure that it's provided to the real estate agent ahead of the, uh, ahead of the meeting in case you're not going to be present. Once you're done with the contract signing and a few days prior to settlement, which usually takes place two or three weeks after that uh, contract signing meeting, the agency will forward a settlement statement, which will contain all of your adjustments to the final price agreed upon. Now, these adjustments normally include the following. If the unit is tenanted, there's going to be an adjustment for rental income since the existing tenant would have paid the rent to the seller in advance um, for a month or two. So that needs to be credited to you from the day of settlement forward. Again, if the unit is, is tenanted, um, any security deposit or vacating cleaning fee, anything which may have, may have been paid by the tenant to the seller as part of their securities, that should also be credited to you. An adjustment for building fees in case of a condo unit, which the seller would have paid in advance for a month or several months. And these should be debited to you and credited to the seller from the day of settlement and forward. Um, an adjustment for property tax, which again, the seller would have paid in advance for the year, needs to be credited to them. Stamp duty, which is normally quite a small amount in Japan. The agency fee. The realtor's fee unless the seller is the realtor in which case there wouldn't be any such fee and the property lawyer the judicial scrivener the judicial scrivener's fee in case the uh, property agency scrivener was used if you've used your own scrivener and um, they're going to bill you separately so that's not going to be included in the statement now this um, property lawyer's fee will also include the um, registration cost, which is charged by the Legal Affairs Bureau of the local municipality you're active in, based on their last official evaluation of the property. Now, some sellers may insist on using their own judicial scriveners, and the realtor will always recommend to use theirs. However, it is advisable to use your own scrivener if you can, especially if you've got more purchases lined up simply because they'll be able to use the same identification documents and any other legal documents for several purchases in a row, which will save you a lot of time and expenses on preparing, notarizing the same documents again and again for each purchase. Also, if you've got a relationship with a scrivener who knows you're going to use them for more property deals down the track, they'll most likely discount their fees accordingly. So definitely bring your own um, property lawyer if you can. And that's basically it. On settlement day, you pay your settlement amount as per that statement. The scrivener confirms the funds have been received, transfers the property over to you, and you're done. Four to six weeks afterwards, depending on how busy things are at the uh, Legal Affairs Bureau, you'll receive your new title deed and registration documents, but the property is yours from the day of settlement. Congratulations, you are now the proud owner of your very first Japanese real estate property. Tune in next time, which will already be next year, when we'll review the property and portfolio management process, which is when the uh, fun and occasional headaches really begin. And until then, happy investing and a very happy new year.